Thanks so much for joining us for the New Life Coolangatta podcast. New Life Church is one family, many churches, and we exist to simply see more people more like Jesus by planting and leading thriving local churches. You've joined us in our series, First Peter, Hope in the Midst of Suffering. In this series, we will discover how to experience hope within suffering through learning how to embrace love, submission, and identity in the midst of challenges as we follow the example of Christ. We pray that this message is a blessing. How is everyone this morning? Doing okay? Happy Father's Day to everyone. Who got breakfast in bed? Anyone? No one. <laughs> Nor did I. I got up at five o'clock and my kids were still sleeping. I haven't even seen them this morning. So we'll see how we go when I get back. Hopefully I've got unreal presents. <laughs> Usually it's just socks and undies, but you know, whatever. <laughs> If I've not met you, my name is Scott. I'm one of the pastors here at New Life Cool and Gather. And we're actually in an eight-week series. We're in week four. We're going through the first letter of Peter, which is to all the churches in Asia Minor, which is modern-day Turkey. And Peter is actually teaching the practicalities for Christians and how they're meant to live within a culture that's not exactly warming to Christianity. Peter's speaking into a time where people suffered horrifically for their faith. But not only that, they suffered horrifically in general ways, like just poverty and slavery and things like that. And today, Peter wants to teach on submission. Now, submission's a bit of a dirty word now in our culture, right? But we don't actually like this. In our culture, we hate submission. We hate anything that seems to, to, to suggest that we need to submit to authorities or anyone, and we actively actually rally against it. We think that submission is, is oppression, that it's being controlled, that we actually have no free agencies. And humanity especially doesn't want to submit to God or his moral standards. We want nothing to do with such an archaic word and ideology. But did you know that the Bible consistently teaches Christians to, to submit? Consistently. And today we're going to be looking at 1 Peter 2, 11 to 25. If you go there, you can run along with me. It'll be on the screen. It says, Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the emperor. Slaves, in reverent fear of God, submit yourselves to your masters, not only to those that do good and are considerate, but also to those who are harsh. For it is commendable if someone bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because they are conscious of God. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing what is good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. 
He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed for you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and the overseer of your souls. This is just beautiful. There's so much in this passage of scripture what Peter is actually trying to teach us as Christians. But before I get into that message, I'd love to pray. Would you please join me in prayer? Father God, we thank you so much, Lord, for this passage of Scripture, although hard. Sometimes, Lord, it's hard for us to understand. Sometimes, Lord, it's hard for us to obey. But God, I pray that you would help me preach this message today with truth, with grace, and with love, that in the end, God, they wouldn't look to me, they'd only look to you, the one who brings life and life in all its fullness. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. So I'm actually going to start today with something controversial, but I'm going to ask you to stick with me. Who remembers masks in the COVID time? (laughs) Only a few of you? Come on, right? We all remember the masks. Nobody enjoyed wearing them, right? It wasn't fun. I can tell you, wearing a mask with a beard is not fun. It's really weird. You look like a weirdo. You have this paper beard and this beard hanging out the bottom, and it messes your beard up, so when you take it off, your beard looks weird. It's just not cool, right? Like, it wasn't enjoyable wearing a mask, but the government mandated that we wear masks. Now, it's not a sin to wear a mask. It's not evil to wear a mask. It was for the society. It was to try and protect one another from a pandemic, from, from a virus. And so as a church, although it wasn't cool and it was annoying, as a church, we obeyed the authorities, and that gave us opportunity to continue to gather continue to preach the gospel, continue to love our community. Yet at that time, some Christians were rallying against that. Some Christians were not a good witness to the gospel and Christianity. They were more concerned with their own preference rather than the benefit of society. And you see, this is what Peter is teaching us here. He's wanting us to understand in this portion of scripture that we can be a good witness through the gospel to our culture and our society. He wants us to be a good witness. And he starts that. He says, dear friends, talking to us, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. He's like foreigners and exiles. He's actually talking about true foreigners and exiles. A lot of Christians were actually pushed out because of persecution. They were running away. They were living in other countries. They had fleed from where they lived. So they were foreigners and exiles, but he's talking about real ones. and He's talking about metaphorical ones. For we now are under the king of kings, Jesus, right? We live under the kingdom of God. And sometimes it can feel like we're foreigners and exiles, even in our own country because of the way we live, because of what we actually believe. And he starts with abstain from sin. The first thing he wants us to do is actually submit to God. Submit to God's moral law. See, those around us don't want to do that. But he's actually calling us to submit. He says, because it wars against your soul. How many of us have that experience that when we sin, we feel separated from God? When we sin, we start having this war within our soul, within our mind. We're like, why, why do I feel separate from God? Why do I feel distant from him? But we know why, right? Because sin wars against our soul. And he continues, he says, live good lives among the pagans. He says, live good lives among them. We're not meant to separate ourselves and, and not have anything to do with society or other people. 
We're meant to live among them, to be helpful to society, to do good deeds for the flourishing of humanity. And did you know that non-Christians, people who aren't in the faith, they actually watch us? People are watching how we live our lives and they're making judgments on who God is by our conduct. So when we're out in society and we're displaying bad conduct, that's not a good representation of who God is. And I see this. And we're out with Christians and Christians are the ones that are complaining the most. They're abusing other people that aren't showing grace, that aren't forgiving. And non-Christians are going, that does not represent the God that you proclaim. But then you have Christians that in those moments are actually showing the love and grace of God and people actually see that. You know, I remember when I first came to faith at work when I was working on the wharves. I'd been there 13 years and I came to faith and then they're like, what did you do on the weekend? I went, I went to church, I'm a Christian now. They're like, yeah, sure, right. You're not a Christian. <laughs> You're definitely not a Christian. We've seen you for 13 years and what you do. <laughs> And so they started watching me. Do you know how often they were like, that's not very Christian? They were the first ones to jump on me. (laughs) Whenever I did something that was outside of what they thought a Christian should be, they were watching my every move. And because they're watching us, he says, they may see your good deeds and glorify God. If we're actually living out our faith, if we're doing good in society, they will actually glorify God. They'll say, hang on, I want to know this God that you serve. Why are you so different to us? You see, this principle and command to live good, productive lives among the pagans or the benefit of society, it's not commanded just in the New Testament, but also in the Old Testament. In Jeremiah 29, this is when the people of Israel, Jerusalem had been destroyed. King Nebuchadnezzar had come in and he destroyed Jerusalem. And he'd actually taken all of them, all the Jewish people captive, and taken them back to Babylon. So they're actually living in captivity in another country, in another place, and God says, hey, destroy them. Fight against them. No, he doesn't say that. He actually says, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to those who are carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses, settle down, plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so they are too met, so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you will prosper. Do we understand how heavy this is? They've just been taken captive. They've been dragged off to another country. They're living amongst their enemies, their greatest enemies. And God's like, build houses. He's like, I actually want you to engage in community. Settle down. Engage. Start building houses. Plant gardens. Eat their food, which actually means get involved in trade. Get involved in the trade of the city. You sell stuff to them, they'll sell stuff to you. So seek the peace and prosperity of the city. Do good. Actually be good examples to those around you. He even goes to the point, he says, pray for it. Pray for the good of the city. Pray for the prosperity of it. Because if it prospers, prospers, so too will you. It's pretty obvious, right? It's the same with us as Christians. If, if we help this place prosper, it's prospering to us becomes a beautiful place to live for us. So when we look out in this world, when we look out in the areas of influence that we have, how can we be actually active in that to make it prosperous for everyone? 
You see, this is a direct command by God. It's not a suggestion. John Wesley says, The Lord commands the exiles to seek peace and prosperity of Babylon, even though it's the enemy nation that has conquered them. This is a difficult command, but it's one that's rooted in the character of God. God is a God of love and mercy, and he wants what is best for his people, even when they're in difficult circumstances. Can I get an amen? amen? That God wants the best for his people, even when things are not great. You see, think about that. They are enemies in an enemy land, and this is what God wants. In Peter's time, they were under the rule of the Roman Empire. It was still the same. God still wanted the same for them. And what about in our time? 2023. God actually wants us to engage in society to bring prosperity. We're commanded to build, to trade, to engage, to seek and pray, seek prosperity for the society. So do you now see your value and purpose in the society we live in? Like each and every one of us has a job to do. We all have a purpose. And it's commanded by God. We all have a part to play to bless our culture. And the way that we do that is by working with and under the governing authorities. Peter continues, Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to governors, who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and commend those who do right. He says, Submit yourselves. This is not the way that we do it in 2023. Nobody wants to submit to any kind of authority. These days we want to make up our own realities. We want to say, well, this is what I feel and no one can tell me otherwise. And it's like, really? We all feel something totally different, right? Nobody wants to submit to authority. But what does he tell the Christians? For the Lord's sake. It's actually for the advancement for the kingdom of God to show his character and his nature through submission and good conduct. And it says to every human authority, every. We don't, we don't get to pick and choose. And in Peter's time, that was the emperor, right? That was the governors. But today we hate that. But, but Peter actually says to every, every authority. For us, that would mean like our local council, our state governments, our federal government, our protective services like the police. We're meant to actually come under the obedience of that. He says, for it is God's will that by doing good you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers, fear God, and honor the emperor. He says, for it is God's will that you submit and do good. You want to know what God's will for your life is? It's right there. Like often people tell me, I don't know what God's will for my life is. Like it's clear in scripture, his will is that we submit and we, we are good um, agencies within our society, within our culture, within our country. Every one of us have a purpose and it's right there. And that is sometimes wearing masks during COVID. That is obeying the road rules. Like it's not sinful to obey the road rules, right? We should be obeying the road rules because they're set for our protection. Now I need to be clear here, we submit to authorities as commanded, to a point. I'm not saying that we sin. If the authorities are saying that we should be sinning, no, we stand up for that. If the authorities are saying we should do things that are immoral or hurtful to others, no, we, we actually stand up for that. If they're saying you can't preach in the name of Jesus, no, we, we continue to preach in the name of Jesus. And we see this in the book of Acts. The early church, they came under the authority of the governing um, parties that they were under, but when they said you can't preach in the name of Jesus, they're like, ah, oh, we're going to do that. We're going to keep preaching the name of Jesus. 
You actually can't stop us doing that. But everything else will actually come under that submission. You might ask, well, what about justice, Scott? Yes, we are to advocate for justice. We are to advocate for the prospering of individuals and society, but we actually meant to do it with respect and with love. There's different ways to do that, right? You can have violent protests, or you could actually do it with respect and love because you want to see people and situations changed. Look at William Wilberforce. He abolished slavery, but he did it within the British Parliament. He did it within the governing structures that were there. It took him 25 years, 25 years of a fight. It was only three days before his death that that actually got fully passed. Now think about that. He could have gone out with violence and street protests, but he didn't. He actually came within the system and actually got that done over. It took 25 years, but he got it done. And he says, live as free people, but not for evil. You know, people say, well, I only obey Jesus. I don't obey the police. I don't obey anyone else. I only obey Jesus. I do whatever I want. If I want to drive at 150 k's an hour, I'm going to do it because Jesus never said I couldn't. It's like, man, you're just using that for evil. You're just using that for your own preference. That's not what actually Scripture says. It's not a biblical attitude at all. In the verse 17, he says, Show respect to everyone, love the family of believers, and fear God, honor the emperor and the governing authorities. There's four things we need to do. Respect, love, fear, and honor. He's respect everyone. You can respect someone and not agree with them. Do we know that? Today we think that we have to agree with everyone to respect them. You can respect their position. It doesn't mean we have to agree with everything. He says, love the family of believers. Jesus says, you'll know that they're my disciples by the way, by the way they love. love one another. Great. <laughs> Just fear God. Fear God means submit to him, submit to his word. And honor the emperor and the governing authorities. Again, we can honor, doesn't mean we have to agree. John Calvin says, obedience to authority is not a blind submission, but a willing and intelligent compliance with the will of those who are appointed to govern. It's not going along with absolutely everything they say, but it's very clear that we need to use our wisdom here. And we need to exercise wisdom in how we live as Christians with an understanding that our actions and attitudes, they're being watched by non-believers. Both our actions and um, attitudes will reflect our faith in the God that we serve. A great question to ask is, am I fearing God in my actions and attitudes? Am I acting in a way that my attitudes are in line with the word of God and what God would approve of? Am I living in society the way God wants me to according to these scriptures? I mean, let's look at Jesus' life. You know, Jesus respected the governing authorities when he lived under Roman rule in the first century. Jesus never fought against the Romans, the governing authorities. He never taught his followers to fight against them either. And the one reason the Jewish rulers and the religious people hated Jesus was that very fact. They wanted the Messiah to come and fight against the enemies, fight against the governing authorities that are oppressing them. They're like, if you're the Messiah, that's what you're meant to do, but you're not doing that, so we hate you. Jesus never taught it. He never did it. And he only ever fought against the religious people, the Jewish religious people who were teaching wrong theology about God. He corrected them. But he still came under the authority of the Pharisees. There's actually a moment when the Pharisees, the religious rulers, they tried to trap Jesus. So they knew that he wouldn't fight against the authorities. 
And so what they want to do is they want to trap him to make it look like he was. So if he said one thing, great, the, the Roman authorities would crush him. But if he said the other thing, great, we'll crush him because he's a traitor to the Jewish people. So they set him up and they said, tell us what is your opinion? Is it right to pay the imperial tax to Caesar or not? But Jesus, knowing their evil intent, said, you hypocrites, why are you trying to trap me? Show me the coin used for paying taxes. They brought him a denarius and he asked them, whose image is this? Whose inscription? Caesar's, they replied. He said to them, so give back to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. See, they they knew if he answered one or the other, either party would want to crush him. He's like, you've all got it wrong. Give to Caesar what is Caesar's. Come under that authority. But give to God what is God's. Come under his authority too. Like, so do we pay taxes? Yes, we pay taxes. Like, look at the country we live in. We pay taxes, but we have free medical. There's not many countries around the world that has free medical, where people who can't afford it can go and get operations. That's beautiful for society. So we engage in that for what? The prosperity of the society that we live in. Now, is all the tax being spent well? Probably not. I'm not saying that they're stewarding it perfectly. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is it's still a good thing for us to do for the prospering of society. You see, Jesus lived this principle out as submitting to the governing authorities perfectly. And he wanted to bless the society so much so that he even healed Roman centurions, family members and, and servants. So he loved them through action. He loved the governing authorities through action. He didn't fight against them, but he blessed them. So Peter and Jesus agree that we're to submit to authorities. But so does Paul the Apostle. He says in Romans 13, Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities. There is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. And those who do will bring judgment on themselves. Paul's very clear. He says, if you're rebelling against the governing authorities over trivial things, then you're actually rebelling against God. Because God can wipe away that authority in two seconds flat, right? He's absolutely sovereign. God is allowing them to have governance at this time and place. He goes, if you're rebelling against that for anything other than sin or preaching the gospel, you're actually rebelling against God. So what Peter's doing here with this letter, he's showing us how to live in all of our lives. He starts with society, then he pulls it into the governing authorities, and now he's going to pull it in even closer focus to our work lives. So he starts with society, governing authorities. Now he wants to talk into work. He says, slaves, in reverent fear of God, submit yourselves to your masters, not only to those who do good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. For it is commendable if someone bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because they are conscience of God. Now he starts with slaves. We need to understand in the first century there were different kinds of slaves. This is like a broader term. It does mean slaves that, that are like literal slaves that are, that are held captive and made to do work and all that sort of stuff. It also talks about bond servants and others. So a bond servant is someone, if I came to David and David had heaps of land, I'm like, David, you got heaps of land, bro. Can I have that field over there? I'll work for you for seven years for that field. David goes, cool, now you're my bond servant. You're my slave for the next seven years to pay for that. Now, in the Jewish culture, if they had slaves when they took over other countries or other peoples, that slave was only meant to be a slave for seven years, and they had the option to then leave and go into the workforce if they wanted to. 
That was actually commanded by God. God is not a God who wants slavery. He's like, you have to release them. But then they had the option to stay. Because a lot of the time, living with the Jewish people, working in their vineyards, they had a house, they actually became part of the family. They actually loved them really well. And so they had the option, do you want to leave? And they're like, if I go out, I become a day laborer. Each day I'm just waiting to see if I can get work. I don't know if I get work, then I've got to have my own house, all that, all that sort of stuff. So a lot of them just went, no, I want to stay as part of this family because you look after me. And they would look after them all the way to death. And so, yes, we're talking about slaves, but we're also talking about different forms of work. And Peter is a, is a realist, right? He knows the facts. He knows that this is happening. And so he actually speaks into this reality of how Christians are meant to act in that space. He says, in reverent fear of God, submit yourselves to your masters. Here it is again. In reverent fear of God, submit. You see, the foundation of our submission is fear of God. It's obedience to his word, his ways, and his command. And this command is to to submit to the masters or, or our bosses. So the question is, do you submit in reverent fear of God to your boss? He says, not even to the, just to the good, though, even to the bad. He's speaking into reality again. Like, who has always had an awesome boss? Right? There's some bad bosses. There's some ordinary leaders out there. Right? It just happens. It is the way it is. And he speaks in that reality. He says, not only to the good, but to the bad too. We're okay to submit to good bosses and good leaders, but not the bad ones, right? But again, when we submit, again within reason, I'm not saying that we do the wrong thing. When we submit to bad leaders, we're witnessing to the grace of God and the faith that we declared. Because he says here, if you suffer for good, this is commendable. Why is it commendable? Because you're doing the right thing. You're living out your faith with conviction. And this is actually a witness to the truth. You know, I was in a business once and um, working for some people, and their practices were quite immoral. They were legal, but they were immoral. And I started to speak up. I'm like, hey, I just don't know if that's okay. No, it's legal. I'm like, okay, might be legal. I just don't think it's moral that we're charging these people for this. They're like, no, we're fully within our bounds to do that. And I'm like, oh, okay, why would I do that? Because I'm conscious of God. I'm conscious of his will of how I'm meant to behave. And as a believer, I need to act like one, right? And in that circumstance, I left that job because their practices to me were too immoral. Therefore, again, we obey to a point. I still respected and honored them, but I just went, okay, this is just not for me. But in normal, everyday work, we're actually commanded to submit to our bosses. And again, this command to obey masters, it's not an isolated text in the New Testament. Paul teaches the same thing. In Ephesians 6, he says, Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear, with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Obey them, not only to win their favor when their eyes are on you, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. Again, he says, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear. There it is again. He says, not only when they're looking. How many of us do that? Right, when the boss is watching. Oh, yeah, doing heaps of work here. He's gone. Sweet, back on YouTube. How good is this? Right? Sometimes we do that. Bible's saying don't do that. No, this, the Lord actually sees how you work. And the question is, am I working with all integrity? Not just when my boss is checking on me, but actually all the time. He says, doing the will of God from your heart. This is God's will again. God's watching us. He's expecting us to work with integrity. That's his will. 
He continues in verse 7, he says, Serve wholeheartedly as if you are serving the Lord, not people, because you know that the Lord will reward each of you for whatever good they do, whether they are slaves or free. He says, Serve wholeheartedly as if you're serving the Lord from your heart. You do good as if you're, you're serving Jesus, as if Jesus asked you to do that. And I love that at the end he says, whether slave or free. Paul actually makes the distinction here. He's talking to all workers, whether you're working as a slave or whether you're working as a free person. He says it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. So the question is, do you work wholeheartedly? You see, a lot of time we choose how much effort we'll put in depending whether we like the company or the boss or not, Right? like, oh, I like them, so I'll put more effort in. If I don't like them, I'll just do the bare minimum. Not so with Christians. We're actually meant to work with all integrity, do our best regardless whether we like the boss or the company. And if you're not working with integrity because you don't like the boss or the company, get another job. Like, seriously, work with integrity. Get another job. Because God commands us to work in all circumstances as if we're serving the Lord. And here's the thing. When we work with integrity and we face bad leadership or bosses, it's a witness to them and the other workers of the faith we proclaim. When I worked on the wars, we had this one guy. He was one of um, the charge foremen, and he was just a psycho. Like, when I say psycho, I mean proper psycho. He would just lose it. You'd be swearing and rah! You'd just hear him from across the smoker room, and you'd be like, you'd be just screaming at someone, and all of a sudden the chair would come flying out of the, out of the office, like full violent psycho. No one wanted to do any work for him. If he asked them, they'd go, get away. <laughs> this guy would just lose it, right? And I was the same. I'm like, that guy's a loser. I'm not going to do anything he says. And then I became a Christian. And I start reading stuff like this. I'm like, okay, what do I do? So chairs start flying out of the office. Everyone's just scattering. Everyone's running away. Because he was a big dude. He'd kill you. And I'm like, I'm going in. So I just walk in. I'm like, bro, what's going on? And he just starts screaming and carrying on. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. What do you need done? I just need the crane moved. That's it. I'm like, I'll do that. He's like, what? <laughs> I said, I'll do that. That's not fair. I'm like, yeah, it doesn't matter. Like, it's, I've got time. I'll go and move it, man. Don't worry about it. Relax. So I'll go and move the crane. So continually doing those things. I don't agree with the way he's treating people, right? But in the end, I was the only guy that could walk in that room when he'd lost the plot. I could walk in every time and go, dude, what's going on? I'm like, cool, just relax. Let me get a team of blokes. We'll sort it out. Right, because we're meant to be a witness to this, whether they're good leaders or whether they're bad leaders. Mother Teresa says, our work is not just about ourselves. It's also about others. When we work unto the Lord, we're working to build up his kingdom. We're working to build up his kingdom. The cool part is Peter knows that we need an example of how to do this because it's so countercultural to submit to governing authorities in that time and masters back then, and I would say even more today in our society. We hate submission in any form. So Peter gives us a perfect example of submission. Jesus. He says, To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example. An example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled insults at him, he did not retaliate. And when he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. You see, Jesus submitted to the governing authorities. Even though they treated him horrifically, 
unjustly. He didn't retaliate. He made no threats against them, which if I was Jesus, I would have. I would have been like, do you know who you're talking to, man? I'm the son of God. Fire, lightning, whatever else. Right? (coughs) Jesus made no threats to his death. Why? Because Jesus trusted in the sovereignty of God. That's actually our example. And Jesus calls us to the example of how we're meant to live. In Mark 8, he says, Then he called the crowd to him. And he said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves. Deny themselves. Take up their cross and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. This is a call to submission. It's actually a call to suffering. It's a call to doing good regardless of what comes at us. It's actually the cost of being a disciple. So Jesus is asking you, will you take up your cross? Will you follow his example? Will you obey the word of God, obey the Bible, and actually submit? Glenn, do you want to come up, mate? Then Peter gives us a reason why we should submit to, why we should submit to God's will. Because Jesus submitted to the will of the Father and he actually embraced the cross for you. He embraced suffering. He says, because he himself, talking about Jesus, bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. For you were like sheep who have gone astray, but now you've returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Thank the Lord that Jesus submitted. In the garden, Jesus is like, can you take this away? But not my will be done, your will be done, Father. He submits to God. He submitted himself to the governing authorities and they crucified him. Praise God that he actually submitted for you and I. Our sin was laid upon him on that cross. That he bore our sin. That he died the death that you deserve. He died the death that I deserve for our sin. And he rose again the third day in victory over that. What a beautiful act of love. That we would come under that kind of shepherd. That kind of overseer of our souls. You see, submission is not a bad thing, church. Especially when we come under the lordship of Jesus. The perfect leader. The perfect king. The perfect God. If I'm going to submit, I will submit under his lordship. Under his loving grace. I'm submitting under pure love. And I want to show the world the power of submission to Jesus by obeying his word and his commands. Therefore, I'll actually submit to authorities. I'll do good in this world as a witness to the power and the grace of the gospel. And hopefully through my submission, my obedience, some of my good actions, people will get a taste of the grace and the love of God and turn to him. I'm not saying this is easy. I'm not saying I'm perfect in all these areas of life. But it should be the desires of our heart to bless others through submission. So Peter's teaching us, live good lives among the culture as a witness. Live good lives, pray for it. Do good that it would prosper. Submit to governing authorities, again, as a witness to who God is. Submit to your masters, to your bosses, whether good or bad. And follow Jesus' example, all to witness to his grace. I'm going to finish with this. Dear friends, dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. 
Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits. Would you join me in prayer? Father God, we thank you so much for the fact that Jesus came. He submitted to your will. But God, on that day when he went to the cross, he bore our sin. He took away the debt that we couldn't pay. That on that cross we see love on display. God, I pray for even right now, come Holy Spirit. First Holy Spirit, bring your conviction where we've been not following you in this area. Second Holy Spirit, I pray that you would give us a supernatural wisdom, a supernatural discernment of how we're meant to live in this society, live, that we might be a blessing, that we would see this place flourish, we would see that flourish for your glory, God. Lord, we thank you for your word, we thank you for your truth. May you write that on our hearts. Write your word on our hearts, God that it wouldn't be something we're trying to do, it'd be something we desire to do because you've given us a new spirit and a new heart. We pray all this in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. Thanks again for listening to the New Life Podcast. If that stirred something within you or you'd like prayer, you can head to church.nu forward slash prayer or contact us through our Instagram or our Facebook page. We pray that you have a great week. Be blessed.